Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman live with you from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Boy, oh boy, Chapman, it is a beautiful thing right now to be an NHL fan, to be a hockey fan in general, because this offseason so far has been bananas. So far, we have had trades. We have had excitement around the draft. We had a draft in person. Montreal was booing Gary Bettman. It was fantastic. It was. It has been a really fun last four or five days if you are a fan of the NHL and you are covering teams. And today was no exception. We've got another big trade to talk about, this one involving goaltenders. Yet again, uh, we're also going to take a look at Evgeny Malkin. Our three dream destinations for Evgeny Malkin, who will hit free agency, hit the open market for the first time in his career at 9 a.m. tomorrow Pacific Standard Time. That is when free agency opens up. We're going to take a look at some of the other big-name free agents. Johnny Gaudreau, where do we think he's going to go? Claude Giroux, a whole bunch of other guys that are in the market for new teams testing out the free agency waters. We're also going to ask the question, and it's an interesting question, I think, is Pierre Dorian a good general manager? I know, I know. It's 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 a strange concept to kind of have that in floating around the ether, but when you start to think about what Pierre Dorian has done since the draft and especially what he's been able to do in shedding salary the last the last couple of days it's pretty interesting where the Ottawa Senators fall going into free agency and what they may do what type of splash they may make tomorrow when free agency opens so uh one-timers, of course, coming in hour number two. We'll finish everything up with catching up with Chapman, and then we will make sure that we get to and tee up as best we can free agency tomorrow. But before we get there, we're going to have good friend of the show, Danny Webster, join us from the Las Vegas Sun to talk a little bit of Golden Knights development camp, a little bit of Golden Knights free agency. Hey, Danny, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, buddy. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing well. I, uh, so let's start here with development camp and work our way to free agency. Um, when, when, when you're around development camp, when you're watching practices, when you're kind of waiting for the scrimmages, what are some of the things that you note that, that you're paying particular attention to with some of these prospects? I think the first thing, and it might sound cliche because you got a bunch of young guys here, just trying to see the effort, like how are they looking in their skating drills, how are they looking in their forechecking drills, and kind of preparing for what we're going to see later down the road. It's kind of hard to gauge what you're actually looking for here in the first couple of days, and obviously they're going to have an off day tomorrow. 
So we really won't have a lot to go off of going into the scrimmages later in the week. But I think right now it's just looking at efforts, seeing how guys are hustling, seeing how they're kind of playing the puck, and I guess in a way trying to impress the coaches. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking for in these first couple of days. You know, it's always interesting to me because when when I think development camp, and it's been a while since we've had one in person, but when I think development camp, a lot of times it's all on the ice that, that we're thinking of. You and I, when we're covering this stuff, we're thinking about on the ice. We're looking at which skill sets pop. We're looking at who has the vision inside of a scrimmage. But for a lot of these young kids... It's about learning nutrition. It's about learning the things inside and out that make them a pro. The Golden Knights tweeted out uh, a couple of pictures of some of, of their development camp attendees, their prospects, getting a lesson in the kitchen. Like It's not just about what's happening on the ice for these kids in order to take the next step. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I initially had asked Brendan Brisson about this yesterday because he had mentioned that last year the Golden Knights had an online development camp where they were going over things like that. They were going over the nutrition aspect. They were talking about how to, learning how to cook, things like that. And then when Will Nichols was at his presser yesterday, I asked him to kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. And, and he kind of went into detail about these are things that a lot of these players that are coming over here, they don't really have a family around. They either have their billet family or they really were on their own for a little bit. And they didn't know these necessary skills to, that they think would be imperative at 18, 19 years old, like trying to figure out how a tender uh, like a steak is or a hamburger is, things like that, you know, the, the colors of the vet- adding colors of vegetables, things like that. And I was very intrigued to hear about that. And, it's, and you're right, it's not even just on the ice. It's more so what these kids and what these prospects are doing off the ice so that when they leave here, they at least have some sort of other life lessons that they can tailor toward what they're doing for the rest of, you know, their junior careers or if they're in Henderson or things like that, they at least know how to do these things. So I thought that was really interesting. When did you learn to cook, Danny? Oh God, I still don't know. I still, like, <laughs> I, I, I can make, I can make a mean thing of toast and some pasta and maybe a burger if wow. I can't burn it. But other than that, I am I am inept when it comes to the kitchen. My wife has me beat and all of that, and I do not step on her mm-hmm. toes with any of that. Yeah, that you know that's that's like one of the areas for me when it when it comes to development camps. As I mentioned, like I, I'm blown away not so much by all the developments on the ice, but but the, the the different aspects that go into turning kids with a dream of playing into in the NHL into professional athletes. And there's so much more that goes into being a pro that you hope that you've got some guys that have been in the system for a little bit of time that are taking that next step. Uh, you, you mentioned Brendan Brisson. This is his first go-around with the development camp in person with the Golden Knights. Uh, but then you start to look at some of the guys that have been around the organization for a little while. Caden Korzak is, is one that comes to mind for me. Uh, what are you noticing from some of the guys that have been with the organization for a year or two and how they're standing out on the ice? Yeah, uh, Brisson, especially since this is really the first time we've seen him in like a practice setting because he did obviously get some time with Henderson late last year and he looked well ahead of the curve. I think the way that he played in those final eight, nine games for the playoffs, he looks very comfortable already in the pro game and you can see just the way his, his skills on both ends of the ice are reflecting very well. With Hayden Korzak, mm-hmm. one thing that's really stood out to me is just 
he is very sound defensively, and that's very important, I think, for someone of his age and where he has where he's at in his development to be that sound defensively. And to and, and again, you know, we're we're talking about a young a young kid going against other young kids, so it's hard to gauge that. But you can tell, especially with how much experience he had last year in Henderson and even making his NHL debut last year. There are a lot of aspects to like of his game, and if he can continue to build off that, he's going to have a really solid camp, and he should be expected to have a really solid training camp. So those two especially are going to be the top names you look at now, and then going into, what, August, September, we should be hearing those names a little bit more frequently. What are your impressions of Ivan Morozov? Honestly, I have not seen as much of Morozov as I should. I've seen him in, what, two practices now, and I think he's just someone who is skilled, and I think he is someone that Henderson can build a top six around him next year. I think uh, there were a couple people that were asking me if I really thought that that was his ceiling. I don't. I think he has the potential to eventually get to the NHL. Um, I do like Mm -hmm. his hockey sense from what I've seen in small clips I've seen from what he was playing in Russia, and I think that will eventually translate over to the North American ice. But I think trying to get to see him in a little bit more game action than the few games that he had last year, um, I think is going to be imperative. But I, I like him a lot. I just I think I need to see a little bit more of him myself before I eventually get to that point where I can have like a full, clear analysis on him. Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun joining us here on the VGK Insider Show to chat about Golden Knights development camp and also... I don't know if you noticed, but free agency, that opens up tomorrow, Danny. Um, listen, the Golden Knights are up against it with the cap. We, we know that, we recognize that, we understand that. However, there are purported uh, contract extensions out there per- potentially for Riley Smith. There's been qualifying offers made on restricted free agents. Like, How busy do you expect the Golden Knights to be tomorrow morning and into the afternoon? That's going to be the interesting thing because obviously we know they can go 10% over the cap for the offseason. So if they wanted to really tackle these deals now, I don't think it would come as much of a surprise. But then you know that the eventual deals that they're going to have to make to get under the cap and be sure that they're cap compliant come the right start of the regular season are going to have to happen and they're going to be a lot much more difficult to come by when you're talking about how they're going to talk about who they're going to trade and how they're going to trade them and for how much are they going to trade them. Uh, I don't really expect them to move the needle a lot tomorrow. If there are situations where they can, you know, clean up shop and say, Lecision and Ron Buer take the qualifying offers. If Brayden McCall takes the qualifying offer, I think at that point you're like, okay, that's probably fresh, tidy business they can do in day one. As far as like the major moves, I, I don't know. I think, I think what happens tomorrow is the clock starts ticking for how they want or how the, the, uh, the Riley Smith uh, situation goes down. And if that's going to take one day, two days, however long it's going to take, think about, that's going to be the start of something. If rumblings start coming out that Riley Smith might be impatient or whatever the case may be, who knows what's going to happen. But I do expect a light day tomorrow. I don't expect any earth shattering. What's your sense on 
Nick Waugh right now? Obviously, the qualifying offer is out there, but there's the opportunity for arbitration when it comes to Nick Waugh. Same thing with King Colasar. What do you get the sense will be for their next contracts? The, the projections that I've seen and the projections I've used a couple of times, I've said I've seen anywhere between 3 and $3.5 million. I think, honestly, given his production and the upside that he still has, I think that's a fair range to go with Nick Waugh, and I think he's deserved that along with some terms. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. If, he, if the Golden Knights can get him for 3 maybe a little bit less, I feel like they've won the jackpot there. Colesar is interesting because the market, I think, has kind of been set for enforcers like him. And, and I think depending on, one, how many games he's played already, which I think has kind of put him in the good graces with the organization, but at the same time, how much do you want to give to someone who really has a set identified role where you know he has shown the knack that he can score, but he's someone, is he someone that you can rely on? to get you a goal or two on that fourth line. Who knows? So I look at that, and I could say 1.5 to 2 might be where he is. But then again, that's, again, that's a high number you have to worry about, and then you got to worry about Nick Hayes. So I, I think I'd, I, would be sh- I wouldn't be shocked if this drags on for a long while, but there, there's a lot of components that have to be figured out over the next however long this takes or they can go ahead and move forward with any of them. So you mentioned Nick Hagen. That's an interesting one because qualifying offer is out there. He is not arbitration eligible. So you're trying to you're trying to work on a new contract, but Nick Hagen does not have the leverage that say a Nick Waugh does with arbitration. Same thing with Keegan Colasar. Um, do you get the sense that an offer sheet is possible for Nick Hagen? Do you get the sense that an offer sheet is possible for Nick Waugh? Um, I, I don't know that Keegan Colasar would would kind of fall into that category, but do you think that the Golden Knights are susceptible right now to a team coming in and offer shooting one of those three guys? I, I definitely think if there was ever a team that is ripe for the picking for an offer sheet, it, it would be this team. Uh, just if, if we're talking about a situation where a team, not that this would happen, but if you're talking about a team that comes in and offers Nick Hague, what, between three and four million, and you're looking at possibly getting a second round pick back, I, I do wonder if these are decisions that the Golden Knights are going to have to understand with possibly adding this draft compensation. Not that they would have a choice if they, you know, chose to. They would take the pick whether or not they, well, if they accepted the offer sheet or not. I, I think this is going to be really the right picking for either Nick Waugh or Nick Hague to get an offer sheet. And I know uh, Elliot Friedman had reported on it this morning that there is a sense that a team might come in with an offer sheet for Nick Hagen. If that's the case, you've got a really big decision to make if you're Vegas in terms of, one, do you match it? And two, is it time to kind of accelerate the process of moving one of the blue liners out in potential trades? So they're going to have a lot of decisions to make, but just not a lot of time. But I do expect if we get deeper into this process, we might be seeing more offer sheets, at least for those two. Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun joining us here, talking a little Golden Knights development camp, free agency primer as we get set for 9 a.m. tomorrow. Danny, I hope you're a morning person because you're going to have to get up, get ready, uh, and hope for the fireworks to to go off bright and early. But you know, I I I look at this and you know. You, 
you go to the Golden Knights cap friendly, you look at the fact that they're already two point five million dollars over the salary cap. Uh, you mentioned you can go over by ten percent in the off season, but then uh, it kind of shows your hand when it comes to what you're doing uh, with the salary cap. I, I I look at this and I wonder if, if tomorrow's not the time, if it's not the time to move salary out if that's the direction that you're going to go. I, I know that there's you know kind of a question mark right now as to whether or not Robin Leonard will be available come the beginning of the season. So you can always you know utilize LTIR in that case if he's not able to go for the first two, three, four weeks, whatever it is. Um, but I'm of the mind that the best thing for the Golden Knights to do this offseason is set their team and set their team as early as humanly possible so you know who's coming back, you know who's under contract, and you have an idea of what this team's going to look like going into next year without needing to worry about LTIR or anything like that. Do you share the same sentiment, and if so, how do you think the Golden Knights get there? I think you have to set your team. I, I completely agree. You have to set your team right away because of this new coaching staff because I think Bruce Cassidy yeah. would like to know who he's going to have available come day one of training camp. And obviously I don't think you want to go into a situation like in 2018 when Shea Theodore was holding out for his deal and he didn't get onto the ice until what, the second to last preseason game or even the last preseason game. So you don't want that kind of situation looming if that is a potential route that Nick Haig could possibly go. I think if you want to get this done and established as soon as possible, the one thing you're probably going to have to do is kind of act on trades quickly and figure out who you're going to move out and just accept the fact that you're probably going to get the less return for what, maybe 70 cents, 80 cents on the dollar and kind of bite your punches and go with it. If that means moving Alec Martinez, so you have the room to sign Nick Haig to a respectable long-term deal. That's probably what you got to do. If you feel like you need to move one of the skaters out, one of the forwards out to, you know, get a respectable deal done with Nick Waugh. I do think you have to kind of, I don't think act rashly, but I think you need to act in an efficient manner to the point where you at least are setting your new coaching staff up for the fact that once you start this come day one at training camp, there are no distractions, there are no qualms or nothing. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it'd be best for them to kind of get this situated as soon as possible so that you know who's on the roster from day one. You know, one of the other things that I think caught maybe some off guard yesterday was uh, Brett Howden not receiving a qualifying offer. You could make the argument that he was one of the players that really excelled last year for the Vegas Golden Knights in, in whatever role that he had. Um, do you get the sense that there's a deal or, or something kind of on the horizon for Brett Howden to stay here with the Vegas Golden Knights? I, th- I think you can make the case there. The, pro- the question is now is how much do you pay him? I, I think yeah. when he hits the open when he hits the open market tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me if there was another team out there or so that saw what Brett Howden did before he went down last year and said, if we can get that Brett Howden on our team, we can plug him into our, you know, a bottom six and he would be a serviceable guy. I, I don't think teams are gonna like break the bank for like when Colorado, for example, got Pierre Edouard Belmar after Vegas didn't resign him. I don't think they're gonna do it to that extent. But I wouldn't be shocked if Vegas was kind of pushed up against the wall and said, well, if we want to bring back Brett Howden, we're going to have to act on this quickly. Um, so I, I do think they want to kind of continue this because I think they were very impressed with the way Brett Howden played last year. I just, I'm just, I, I was definitely surprised they didn't qualify him, and I just don't know how much 
it's going to take for him to bring back. Because I don't think he's going to take anything less than a million or a million one. That would be my guess. Danny, who's the most fascinating unrestricted free agent going into tomorrow? <sighs> trying to keep up. Uh, uh. I think over the last couple of hours, I think my, my answer has switched to Johnny Gaudreau. Just because, yeah. just because, what, in five hours or a little less than five hours, he can't take an eight-year offer from Calgary, and that's going to be like uh, the Trangelo drama from a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think Gaudreau right now might be that guy that a lot of the teams on the East Coast are, clear, are thinking on clearing cap space. So we've the Islanders are reportedly heavily interested. Of course, if there's the Flyers with whatever in the world they're doing right now, which I still don't understand. And there are other teams that you, know, you look at and say, if they add a good draw, I mean, the Devils could give him up to, what, $12 million? However much they want to give him? So, I, <laughs> given the next four and a half hours, it might be Johnny Gaudreau going into tomorrow, depending on if, they, if Calgary can strike a deal at, at the stroke of midnight. So... I'd go Gaudreau right now. Okay, so you mentioned the Flyers, and I'm glad you did that because I'm still trying to understand it too. If 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 I if I can, so the the Flyers go out, they trade for Tony D'Angelo when they probably would have had an opportunity to sign him on the open market. But hey, whatever it is, what it is, you do you. Um, then they sign him to you know five million dollars average annual value. I, I don't. I'm not going to get into the politics of Tony D'Angelo. He's not a five million dollar right. defenseman. Like that. That's full stop. He is. He is not good enough defensively to justify that cap hit. And yeah, he puts up points, but he's a liability. And in a John Tortorella system where he's a liability defensively, that's not going to work very well. Then. You buy out Oscar Lindblom, one of the most inspiring players of the last, what, three, four years? A defensively responsible center that would literally be the prototype player that you'd want playing under John Tortorella, yet you don't want to move out the contract of James Van Riemsdyk in order to make a legitimate play for Johnny Gaudreau. Like, what what are they doing? I have absolutely no idea. Like, I I get... If you're talking from a financial standpoint, because what Limblom would have been, what what saves him, what three point something in salary, yeah, fine, yeah, three point three, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. three point three. So that is literally the one guy that I look at that Flyers locker room. I'm like, okay, this team is in shambles. This team is completely mm-hmm. underperforming. I would like to have a good culture guy, culture guy, good heart and soul guy. Who better? Yeah, than Oscar Limblom. Um, Nobody. The, yeah, exactly the D'Angelo thing still perplexes me because they were so I I can't even put into words how bad they looked on the blue line last year and Carter Hart just looking like a shell of his former self no matter who they threw in goal it was just going to be bad and now yep. you add in Tony D'Angelo which yes the metrics they don't look good defensively they, they absolutely do not and I don't understand if you're just looking to get a guy who will throw in you know, 60, 70, potentially 80 points from your blue line at $5 million, I mean, sure, but I'd like to think that they would address the actual defense than just getting a guy who can hopefully score your points. So I have no idea. This team is weird. This team is weird. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they should have thought about that before they made John Tortorella coach. Like, you're not going to yeah. get a defenseman putting up 60, 70 points when John Tortorella is coaching. It's just not going to happen. Exactly. Um, like, 
un, as far as unrestricted free agents go, I, I'm I'm fascinated by this Malkin stuff. I, I just yeah. I just am. And and if you had to drum up a a perfect landing spot for Evgeny Malkin. I'm putting you on the spot. It's not so much a hot take, but in your perfect world, Danny Webster, where would Evgeny Malkin play, assuming that he's not re-signing with the Penguins? So it's a new team. Where are you putting him? I think the Rangers might be the best spot for him. Like, I know that's Mm -hmm. the most highly speculated team, but now that they're not bringing back Andrew Kopp, that opens up a top six spot for you. And if Evgeny Malkin gets the right amount of dollars, the right amount of term that he wants from a bona fide contender who's, you know, just in the Eastern Conference final, I would heavily think that that might be the best spot for him just because he's going to get a role on that top six and he could flourish under Gerard Gallant. So, I, I think the Rangers might really be the best spot. All right, last question, Danny, before we we'll let you get out of here, and thank you again for taking the time. Uh, yeah. Is Pierre Dorian a good general manager? To be determined. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> come okay, on. Look, I, I mean, the Matt Murray trade was bonkers. And from a standpoint mm-hmm. of I didn't think there was a team that ridiculous and don't tell Jesse this because he'll go on a 15-minute rant at this point about Toronto taking Matt Murray. Um, but they get they get to brink at which, for basically nothing, which is incredible. And now they get Cam Talbot to be their number one goalie. I, I, this a broken clock is right twice a day, right? So I'd say right now Pierre Dorian is you know smashing expectations, and if he somehow lands Claude Giroux within the first. 72 hours free agency, then, yeah. my God, crown him right now. He, he is having a tremendous offseason. You know, he, he is, and I think the only, the only thing that needs to be addressed, I think Giroux to Ottawa is, is close-ish to a Dundee. Like, I, just, I think that it's going to happen. Yeah. Dorian needs another defenseman. Like they, they need to add a defenseman, whether it's a trade for Jacob Chikrin, whether it's going after John Klingberg. Uh, though I, I don't know that I'd go long-term with Klingberg, but you're going to have to marry, marry to that idea anyway. But I think that they have to add a defenseman in order for me to, to say this is a, a slam dunk, absolutely perfect offseason for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, they, they can't go into next year hoping they can outscore everybody. I, I think if... I honestly haven't looked at their cap friendly in a little bit, so I'm not sure exactly how much space, but it's the Senators, so they probably have, you know, an abundance of it. <laughs> if they if they can swing if they can swing Klingberg and mm-hmm. Drew. And and I'm mm-hmm. already and I'm already having fun thinking about a potential top line of uh of Brady Kachuk, uh mm-hmm. Claude Giroux, and Alex Debrinkat. Like that's crazy enough as yep. it is. And if you can add like a Klingberg or if you can swing a trade for Chikrin and put him with Thomas Shabbat and hopefully take three or four minutes of his ice time off his ledger, that, that, yeah, that would be a successful offseason for the Ottawa Senators. And then you start to think, could this team actually make the playoffs? And then you remember it's Ottawa and you don't think so. But hey, this is a weird league. So I wouldn't put it past them. Mm-hmm. 
$22.5 million. That is what the Ottawa Senators have to work with oh, tomorrow when free agency opens. Uh, Danny, 20. this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for jumping on here. Uh, give everyone that's listening right now a sense of what you're working on this week and where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you can find my stuff at LasVegasSun.com. I do have something uh, on Riley Smith coming out tomorrow. Give me a little bit of of a little bit of leeway of what he's thinking about entering free agency, whether is, there is a handshake agreement or not, so you can look it for that. Mm-hmm. And I'll be uh, working on development camp stuff for the, for the rest of the week. And, uh, yeah, you can find all that stuff at LasVegasSun.com. Great stuff, as always. That is Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun joining us here on the VGK Insider Show. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about a big trade in the NHL right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. VGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Tuesday, gearing up for a busy day tomorrow. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm going to have to have my phone on the charger all day long. Free agency in the NHL it will open up tomorrow at 9 a.m., Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it's going to be an early morning. We're going to get ready to go right into it. We're going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show. But as I mentioned at uh, at the top of the show, the NHL over the last four to five days has been bananas. It's been awesome. Like As somebody that, that... this time of year, it can be tricky trying to figure out where the storylines are. There's been no shortage of it in the NHL. And a lot of the teams, or one of the teams that's been in the middle of all of it has been the Ottawa Senators. But we're not going to talk about Ottawa just yet. We will to a degree, but we're not going to get into that big discussion about Pierre Dorian just yet. There was a trade that happened just prior to us coming on the air today. We all remember last week. We all remember the news breaking of the Minnesota Wild re-signing Marc-Andre Fleury to a two-year, $7 million contract. $3.5 million average annual value. And Bill Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota Wild, talking about how he loves the idea of Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot 50-50 split in goal. And that's going to be what separates Minnesota from the rest. That's going to be the advantage for the Minnesota Wild is that every single night they should have an all-star caliber goaltender in net no matter who it is. And it allows for an over 35-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury to get the starts that he needs to stay sharp but not break his body down to the point where if you get to the playoffs, all the fatigue starts to set in and you're off your game. Like, it all made sense. It all was perfectly orchestrated. Though I'd argue, I don't give contracts to goaltenders that are over 35 years old. That's just, if I were doing it, that wouldn't be a philosophy that I would utilize. I don't think you go and pay goalies that are over 35. I just don't think you do it. I just don't think you do it. But the beautiful thing about all this with Bill Guerin, with Marc-Andre Fleury, with the Minnesota Wild, is that... Immediately after the deal was signed and at the draft, Cam Talbot's agents came out and said, well, we're going to have to have a conversation with Bill. 
And then you start to get the inclination that Cam Talbot's not particularly happy about it. I don't know why he would be happy about that situation, considering he was an all-star last year, considering he was the, the, the best goalie for the Minnesota Wild down the stretch going into the playoffs, and yet he did not start until the elimination game that he lost in round one to the Blues. So I, I don't know anybody that would be happy about losing their job when they were an all-star when they were having a career year, when they were playing out of their mind. So then Bill Guerin gives us the quote. You remember the quote, Chapman, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had an expletive in it. I don't have bleep to do. Cam's under contract. We're trying to win. He's a Minnesota Wild. I don't have anything to do. I don't have anything to do. Well, go figure. Bill Guerin traded Cam Talbot today. Cam Talbot is now an Ottawa Senator. Talbot to the Senators in exchange for Philip Gustafson, a goaltender. It's an interesting trade on both fronts for both teams. Mainly because Cam Talbot's making $3.67 million. The Minnesota Wild are in cap hell right now because of the buyouts to Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Buyouts, I feel, were absolutely necessary. Buyouts you had to come to grips with and and understand needed to happen. Sure, but when you've got over $12 million of dead cap space this year and it's only going to get worse next year and the following year, any trade that you can make that gives you a little bit more cap relief and provides flexibility, you've got to do. And when Cam Talbot was clearly upset and not happy about the idea of bringing back Marc-Andre Fleury, not happy about not being the guy in Minnesota, that's an opportunity for Bill Guerin. I love the fact that he gave us the quote. I love the fact that he was steadfast, that he did not have to do anything. He did not have to move this player. He did not have to change his plan. But he read the room. He understood in conversation with Cam Talbot, as he revealed today, that it's not that Cam asked for a trade, but it's that he could read the writing on the wall. He could see that at some point in time, this would be a distraction. At some point in time, Cam Talbot, who has been a consummate pro up to this point, will not take it well enough in the regular season, and it will become a distraction. So in doing and understanding that, Bill Guerin abandoned his own plan for next season of having a 50-50 goalie rotation, and now it's very clear, as evidenced by the fact that Bill Guerin said so himself today when he met with the media, that it's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury as the number one goalie, it's going to be Philip Gustafson as the backup, and it will not be a 50-50 split. So on the surface... There's a couple of things I like. I like the fact that Bill Guerin is looking out for his players. And I mean that when it comes to Cam Talbot. I know it sounds weird. Because no one asked Bill Guerin to bring Marc-Andre Fleury in last year at the trade deadline. He did it because he felt he needed to. No one asked him to sign Marc-Andre Fleury to a two-year, $7 million contract. But he did it anyway, thinking that a 50-50 split would benefit his hockey club, a club that next year is likely going to be thinner when it comes to offensive production. So if you are trying to mitigate the cost there, you do so with elite goaltending. 
And if you believe Cam Talbot's got one more year of all-star caliber goaltending, if you believe Marc-Andre Fleury is still the same guy that he's been for the last seven years plus, then of course you double down on it. You go into next season with a 50-50 split. That's the plan. But if after two days you've got to, re- you've got to change your plan for next year, if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, how does this play for you? Like, to me, I appreciate the fact that Bill Guerin is looking out for Cam Talbot. He put him in a terrible situation. A terrible situation. But at least he has the foresight to prevent a goalie controversy next year, all year long. And he's got the foresight and the, 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 the wherewithal to give Cam Talbot what he's looking for. But in the process, if I'm a Wild fan... I don't know that I'm like ecstatic about the idea that our general manager talked about the need for a 50-50 split, and now, just two days later, the fate of this organization rests on the shoulders of a 37-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury, and it's going to be probably a 70-30 split in goal. Like, I look at that, Chapman, and I want to get your thoughts on this, I want to get your opinion, I look at that as a short-sighted plan for next year. Well, I'll start by saying I I, I think it's a a really good deal for Ottawa because they're now paying less. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I'll I'll start with with the Minnesota perspective. I don't like it because you really didn't. I mean, look, I I know that they have cap situation issues, but you Mm -hmm. really didn't free up that much money to go out and bring in someone who's going to you know, be a, a, a big contributor. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe you just need to, to sign some of the, uh, you know, maybe you want to bring back one of your, your unrestricted free agents, maybe Nick Bustad. I, I don't know. Maybe you're going to sign some, you know, second-tier free agent, and, and you now have the ability to do that. Where I don't like it is there's only a handful of teams in the league that have the goalie who is a I mean, not to say clear-cut number one, because obviously a lot of teams have that. Have that, But a mm-hmm. goalie who is so much better than his backup that he's playing, like you said, 70 75% of the time. Marc-Andre Fleury's 37 years old. He's not a kid. And yeah. two years ago when he won the Vezina Trophy, it was a, a pretty even split between him and Robin Leonard. He got, he got the bulk of the starts, but... Mm-hmm. Robin Leonard was there to to spell him when he needed a night off. They won the Jennings Trophy together. We we saw the Islanders do it with a, a combination where they had two guys. It was a ridiculous amount of games where they alternated goalies. They end up winning the Jennings Trophy together. I think if you're Minnesota, the ability to have Cam Talbot there as your number 1B or 2, however you want to describe it, and maybe do a 60-40 split, Maybe 55-45, where, where Marc-Andre Fleury is getting the, the, the important starts. And Cam Talbot is there to give him a rest when he needs. I, I'm i not going to say I don't think Fleury can carry the load as a, a full-time number one getting, you know, 60 starts a, a season, maybe 65 starts. I just don't know if that's the plan that I would put in motion going forward. Because Philip Gustafson, I mean, he's relatively unknown you, you don't know what you have in him. He's only 24, and and he he's he's still going into he's still you know an RFA next year. So 
he's obviously not going to be a guy who you're going to play 35 nights a year. I mean, it, it, it's a situation where what if Mark Andre, and, and obviously we don't wish this or hope it, but if Mark Andre Fleur gets hurt, this is a team that would go from being a, a legit contender in the Central to basically being an afterthought because Philip Gustafson's not going to be able to carry the load. And you've given yourself no flexibility because of those buyouts to go out and sign a backup. I mean, may, who knows? Maybe they do go sign a backup. Maybe it's a guy like Miko Koskinen or David Riddick. I don't know. And then Gustafson's Ooh, back, no. to the, <laughs> back to the nope. minors. But um, I, from Ottawa's perspective, though, I, I think it's a good deal. I, I like what they've done. Yeah. Yeah, I like it for the Ottawa Senators. And the reason that I like it for Ottawa, they have been a team that has been among the most active. They move on from Matt Murray. I know they retained salary on Matt Murray, but they didn't have to retain as much as they were going to in the original Matt Murray trade to send him to Buffalo. So that's a win, number one, for uh, Pierre Dorian. Well, here's then the other, here's the other aspect up. of that. You combine mm-hmm. Talbot's salary with the retained salary, and they're still paying less than they would if Murray was, their, was still their goalie. So they've actually, yeah, they're, they've they're actually come out ahead there. You save money, you get out from under a pretty bad contract for Matt Murray. Bad, depending on what he does with with uh, Toronto, remains to be seen. But you have a goaltender who feels slighted. You have a goaltender in Cam Talbot who's in a contract year and highly motivated, right? So you should get as good a version of Cam Talbot as you can possibly get going into next year. And I don't get the sense Ottawa's done. As, as we've talked about, kind of alluded to, I think they're in on Claude Giroux, and I think that they're going to make a splash on defense. I don't know what the splash is going to be, but they need a defenseman. If if Ottawa can check those boxes, Claude Giroux being the first one, a defenseman in free agency or via trade being the second, this team is going to be a problem. I don't know that I'm like comfortable saying that Ottawa is going to be a playoff team, but I do think that they're going to be better. I do think that they're going to be a problem because they've got a ton of players that can put the puck in the back of the net. And if Cam Talbot is motivated and he's equal to what he was this year, look out. The Ottawa Senators, Pierre Dorian, might just be good at this whole general manager. Well, thing. here and here's another aspect of that, too. Cam Talbot, as you mentioned, is in a contract year. So if Ottawa is out of the playoff race, come... Mm-hmm. trade deadline, they've got yep. an all-star caliber goalie that they'd probably be able to flip and get something back, some get some assets back, and, and help them build for the future. I mean, I, I think that's a win as well because you're, if you're Ottawa, you're probably not counting on being a playoff team. You'd like to be in the mix. But oh, if, I disagree. I think they're, I think they're counting on it. Ooh. I think these moves, I think these moves from Ottawa signify that they want to be in the playoffs. Oh, I hope you're right. I want them to be good so bad. Brady Kachuk in the playoffs would be awesome. I really want them to be good. It, it would be so fun. Uh, imagine, uh, like, if they play Toronto at some point in the mm-hmm. playoffs, like, how great oh. would that be? Oh, no, 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 not, not at some point, Chapman. <laughs> not at some point, Chapman. You know where I'm going here. I'm an agent of chaos. Yes. <laughs> I take I take absolute joy being an agent of chaos. <laughs> the Ottawa Senators <laughs> traded Matt Murray 
to the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday. They went out and got Cam Talbot, who I'd argue is probably a better fit for Toronto than he was for uh, than, than Matt Murray was. But hey, maybe Pierre Dorian's better than Kyle Dubas at being a general manager. I don't know. All I'm saying is this. If the Ottawa Senators land Claude Giroux, if they get a defenseman, if they are somehow good next year like they're intending to be, which is like a whole other thing, the Ottawa Senators just waking up one day and deciding, yeah, we're going to be good now. We want to be good now. That's new. It's fresh. It's exciting. But in the event that Ottawa's good, dream scenario, Chapman, Dream scenario, you know what it is, you know what it is, Yes. Ottawa, Toronto, round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, if Toronto doesn't beat Ottawa. Oh my god, it's over. Just, just, just. Do you have any, do you have any idea what, what, what the Canadian media is going to be like? <laughs> if they if lose the Toronto to Maple Leafs <laughs> lose to the Ottawa Senators in the first round of the playoffs next year. Oh, it, and you know what? Just to just to throw a little cherry on top of that Sunday, I hope Toronto yeah. are the Atlantic Division champs, and Ottawa is is <laughs> the fourth seed, and the, and they do it. Oh my God, it would be brilliant. <laughs> it would be great. All right, that's a perfect way to end the segment. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one. Look ahead to hour number two, right here on the VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Fun first hour here on the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you. Thanks to Danny Webster for taking some time. He's as perplexed by the Philadelphia Flyers as I am, so that's good, I suppose. Uh... And chaos theories. I like. I'll tell you, Chapman. One of the, like one of my favorite things to do here is just follow a tangent, follow a tangent as as far as I can possibly follow it. And like the idea of Ottawa being good enough to make the playoffs, the idea of Ottawa playing against Toronto in the first round of the playoffs, and then to extend that tangent through to the completion. What if Ottawa won? Like, what <laughs> if Ottawa was good enough to make the playoffs, play Toronto in the first round, and then they actually won? Oh, my God. It would be glorious. Glorious would be... I, I, I think I would call in sick the next day because I'd be celebrating that win. <laughs> I have zero affiliation <laughs> to the Ottawa Senators, but I think... Yeah. And, and you know, the the funny thing is, it seems like whenever Ottawa makes the playoffs, like once every five or six years, mm-hmm. they're actually good on a deep run. Like that, yeah, like like yeah. the run that they made when Eric Carlson was, was and, and Mark Stone were on that team, and I think Craig Anderson yeah. was their goalie. I mean, they were. Did they go to the? They went to the conference finals, right? They lost in Game Seven to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, they were one yeah. game away yeah. from the stand. From they lost in a seventh game to the eventual Stanley mm-hmm. Cup champion. So. Uh, and I think that's the last time the Senators have made the playoffs. So, yeah, when they make it, they they, they seem to, to to make noise. So, I would not be surprised in the least bit if, if that if that uh, hypothetical turned out to be accurate that they win that round. Oh my God, it would be so great. If you're ever wondering, should you give in to chaos? Yes, 
You should live in chaos. You should enjoy chaos. You should seek out chaos because it's just so much more fun when you live without any boundaries or any rules, especially when it comes to the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Take a break. We come back hour number two. We're going to look at free agents and our top destinations for a few of the top free agents hitting the market tomorrow at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.